Hello, this is Leslie Groff at Tenzer, and this is Lot of Fact. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome back Steve Schwartz, who, in my opinion, knows the LSAT better than just about anybody. And he's here today to talk about the new LSAT format. Today, one of my favorite guests joined us, Steve Schwartz. He is the host and founder of LSAT Unplugged, which you can find on YouTube, on Twitter, and a website. And he really knows the LSAT and has made it his mission to help everybody do well on the LSAT. At the end of this podcast, I'll tell you about how to find him, and it's also on the liner notes. But if you're thinking about the LSAT, you certainly should check him out. But what we're talking about today is how the LSAC, Law School Admission Council, has changed the format of the LSAT. This is super important to those of you who are about to take or have already taken or retaking the LSAT. So here's my discussion with Steve Schwartz. All right. Thank you so much for coming. I am thrilled to have Steve Schwartz returning with me. He is the uh, he is LSAT Unplugged. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got a podcast. And he actually is, and I have to say, with my experience, one of the best LSAT educators around. And it turns out that just recently, hot off the press, the LSAT is changing. And I'm thrilled to have you back, Steve, to explain the new test. So let's get right to it. Can you explain what the new format is? Yeah, sure. And Leslie, thanks so much for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. And I always send folks your way to a lot of fact. Uh, regarding the um, the recent LSAT changes, basically the LSAT has been online since the beginning of COVID. It used to be in person. They had to move it online because of COVID. But when they moved it online, it was only three sections. They shortened it significantly because of the logistics involved in an online test administration using ProctorU. The problem with making it only three sections, though, is that they weren't able to test out future questions. They used to have an exper experimental section to test out future LSAT questions for upcoming administrations. They removed that for a little while, but they only, only have so many undisclosed tests in the bank. So long story short, starting this have a fourth unscored experimental section. Okay. And test, so takers won't, test takers won't know which one it is during. All right, so, so there's going to be four sections instead of three. One of those will be experimental. Students taking the test won't know which one's experimental, but this is actually good news because it means that there'll be more information for future, um, for future tests and more data, I should say, on what testing questions really work well for students to predict their ability to enter law school based on the LSAT. Would you agree with that? Exactly. Yeah. I, I'd say that for, for it's, a, it's a requirement. LSAC needs to be able to test out future questions. Of course, I don't think any test taker wants to do a fourth undisclosed unknown experimental section. They'd rather just do the three and be done with it. But if you think about it, they've only got so many tests in the bank. So if they keep re-administering those same exams, eventually people are going to see the same questions multiple times, and that's not really fair. So right. LSAC and LSAC also ideally would be able to disclose exams for the future, but they've had to stop disclosing on their usual timeline because they couldn't risk emptying their bank. So this is a good thing, you think? Overall, it's a good thing. I think it's a necessary thing, and LSAC isn't the only one that uses experimental sections. I mean, the GMAT makers, the GRE makers, they've got to, the SAT people, they've got to be able to test out future questions too. Every testing administration has to do it because they want to make sure that the questions 
perform as expected, that they're not biased, that they're not more difficult than they should be. And so for in general, for the entire testing world, this is a requirement and it is a good thing. They need to be able to do it. So an LSAC, we should say, is the Law School Admissions Council, and they're yes. the ones who are in charge of administering it. All right. So now um, I'm a law student. I'm, I'm a, uh, not a law student. I'm, I'm about to be a law student or want to be a law student. How is my prep going to change if I really was engaged in the most recent iteration pre this change? So I, I started studying during the pandemic when LSAC went to three. How's my studying going to change? That's a fantastic question. That's actually the question that my students are facing right now. So I've, I've been talking about this a lot. Basically, you want to keep practicing on LSAC's Law Hub system, which shows you the exact same style and look and feel you're going to have on test day versus using the books because now it's online. So you want to keep using the online system. What changes, though, is that now you've got to do your full-length practice tests with four sections, not three. With the online LSAT Flex, it was three sections back-to-back, no break and you're done. Now it's four sections. You have two sections back-to-back. You have a break that'll probably be about 10 minutes. They haven't announced the details on that yet, but two sections, short break, probably 10 minutes back-to-back, then you're done. But while you're doing those four sections, the order is random and the placement of the experimental section is also random. So taking your practice tests, add in one of logic games, logical reasoning, or reading comprehension into the practice test you normally would have done and mix up the placement as well. So I, so that's my question. I have not taken the LSAT in ages and can't seem to get any of my kids to take it. So I'm not that familiar with it. Um, what are the sections now, like post pandemic, but before this new, like what were, when it was only three sections, what were those three sections? Yeah, sure. So starting in May, 2020 through June 2021, the LSAT Flex has three sections, which are one of logic games, one of logical reasoning, one of reading comprehension. That's okay. before the change coming up this August. So there's so going to be. There's gonna be four, are they adding a completely different? Or are you going to get two out of three? I mean, two, two of the same. And, you know, so in other words, is it the three, still three, three topics, but over four sections? Or is there a completely different new fourth section? No, the, the, the new section, the fourth section is still going to be one of logic games, logical reasoning, or reading comprehension. So it's not like there's some new style of LSAT question okay, everybody has to learn. That would be a totally different story. That would be a more massive change that I'm sure folks would be panicked about. This isn't that. It's really not that bad. It basically just means that you've got to do a fourth section while you're taking timed exams, and it's on you to mix in what the extra section is going to be. So rotate the type of section. So Some days you'll do two logic games. Some days you'll do two logical reasoning. Some days you'll do reading comp and then just one of each of the others. And you'll mix it up. You'll also want to mix up the position. So don't always put that experimental section last. Don't always put it first. Change it up to better replicate what you might experience on test day. Yeah. So when you say you're going to, what you're talking about is what students are going to do while they're practicing. Because students don't have any um, say over what sections they get once they take the actual exam. Exactly. So students have to mix it up for themselves during their practice. And you're not going to know if you're going to have logic games first. And you also can't request to have logic games first. It's going to be what it's going to be. It's totally randomized for every test taker, every administration. So it seems like the big change is really stamina that students were had. And and by the way, we should say that pre-COVID, it was four sections, wasn't it? 
Well, so yes, you're right that it's about endurance and stamina relative to doing only three sections. And pre-COVID, it was five sections total, four of which were scored. One of them was the experimental section. So pre-COVID, LSAC briefly for maybe a year or so and change had the LSAT on a tablet, digital in person, but same. it was the same as the paper version as well. So it was, you were doing four scored sections, one logic games, one logical, re- well, one logical reasoning, one reading comp, and another logical reasoning. So logical reasoning was half the exam. Now with the LSAT flex, it's a third of the exam. And with the online LSAT starting in August, 2021, it's going to be logical reasoning will be a third of the scored sections, but could be half of what you do if you got logical reasoning as the experimental section. So this is actually still shorter than the pre-COVID LSAT. And do they still have the writing section where you had to write um, an essay? There still is a writing sample section, as you, as you had said, but, and it is an essay, but it's not during the exam anymore. When they moved the LSAT to being on a tablet around that time, pre-COVID, they started administering the writing sample separately online. So you're not doing it during your testing sitting anymore. You, you complete that separately and you can do it on a different day if you want. That's actually, I mean, is it timed writing the essay? It is. It's still okay. timed. It's still 35 minutes. So I'm going to say to students, because I have been on the admissions committee of my law school, the Elizabeth Howe School of Law many times, and I will say that grammar really counts. And so to the extent that you can be familiar with grammar, make sure that you put forth your best sample of writing, your best writing sample possible, because we look at those and we look at them closely. And I would say that it's more important that you can write clear, concise sentences that prove your point than that you have these deep thoughts and perspectives. I mean, that's just one person's opinion, um, but I do know because what we're looking at when we look at the writing section, which is not what we're here to talk about, but I'll talk about for a second anyway, is that we're looking at your ability to communicate. You're going to be a lawyer and you need to communicate. So I would really put some effort into learning those skills prior to actually taking that test. I would so- certainly agree with that. I would certainly agree with that. If I could just say briefly, Leslie, I mean, I think that the writing sample, because it's typed now, law schools are more likely to look at it and take it more seriously. And I think grammar is the first way to make a strong and positive impression. They can gather that more quickly. If they're only spending a few minutes reading this, the grammar will stand out much more than the content will at first. You want to be strong on both of them, of course, but spelling errors and grammar, grammatical mistakes, you want to make sure it's at least solid on that front. That's true. It's funny because when students first switch from writing to typing, typing was a blessing and a curse. We could see the, the, the good writing quickly, but we could see the bad writing quickly too. So I have um, another question for you, kind of a two-part question, which is prior to COVID, the LSAT was administered in a room at a certain time, et cetera, right? Yeah. Was it, and then it moved to completely online. So my first question is, are we staying online with the LSAT? And the second question is, do you see it always staying online now that we, you know, I shouldn't say staying online, staying remote is what I mean. And do you see it always staying remote? I do see it always staying remote and I do see it always staying online as well, actually. The, um, for the majority of people anyway, there could be certain exceptions given accommodated situations, but, or, and even post COVID, maybe they will have the option to take it in person. But I think probably most people are going to opt for the online. LSAC's announcement recently was that the LSAT will be online at least through June, 2022. 
And they said that this format of three scored sections, one unscored experimental section, that will continue for the next two to three years. So they're taking still they're they're still taking a wait and see approach, but they're recognizing that the COVID situation is dragging on longer than anybody hoped or probably expected. And so they're they're being agnostic as to the long term. They're not saying this is permanent, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to see in their announcements and their language more and more recognition that the LSAT being online is not just a, a short term temporary measure specifically because of COVID. This is a pretty radical change from the previous version of the exam where logical reasoning was half of the scored sections. Changing that from half to a third is fairly significant because these ratios and all the statistics they use are very carefully constructed. They're obsessive over this and they do a fantastic job with that in my view. So making that change is an admission that they want to make this format change long-term and they consider it valid, of course, as well. Got it. So this is interesting. I guess I have another question. I'm asking you questions. You are the expert. I truly am uninformed about a field of these things. But when students go to take the exam now, let's say there's a thousand students taking the exam. Will all thousand students have the exact same four sections? And will that those four of those four sections will the LSAT well, LSAC just kind of, let's say A, B, C, D, and D is the experimental. So across the board, they'll just cut out D and everyone will be measured against A, B, and C? Yes and no. I mean, everyone's measured against the same scored material, but there for the online and all the online administrations of the LSAT, there are several different versions that are scored. So there could be maybe five different unique logic game sections all being tested during the same administration. So I might have a logic game about monkeys. You have a logic game about cars. And okay. those are both scored sections for each of us, even though we didn't have the same exact material. I see. There are also multiple experimental sections as well. So I might do a, a logic games experimental section. You might have a logical reasoning experimental section because okay. they're, they're te- they have so many questions they've got to test out. And they also want to prevent cheating. They want to prevent people talking about the same material too much. So people can discuss in vague general terms online after the fact that's permitted, but they are still concerned about security and they don't want people sharing information or somebody in one part of the world telling somebody in a different time zone what they're likely to see. Got it. All right. So let's talk about what matters to the students. So you already mentioned that if you're preparing for the class, um, that you should increase your stamina, the sitting time, know that you're going to be sitting for X amount of time and, and take a 10 minute break in X amount of time. What other things can students do? And before I ask you, I want to preface and remind the students that you really have spent your career kind of trying to figure out how students can succeed. And I've had some students work with you and I know that you um, really are a master at making sure students do best on their LSAT as they could. And I do also want to say, and I know you'd agree with me, Steve, that what the score you get on the LSAT can make a difference between getting an extra $5,000 in scholarship or getting into the school of your dreams. So talk to me a little bit about how student studying has to change in light of these new changes. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Leslie. I mean, I've thought about this a lot over the years. At first, I was very focused on just the mechanics of the individual questions, but I recognize that test day preparation itself is a whole nother category that's incredibly important as well, because so many students deal with testing, testing anxiety and nerves, and then 
thing, we never hope that things will go wrong, but things can go wrong. And it's best to be properly prepared in terms of properly simulating test day conditions and being ready if there is any issue either with the proctor or just with your performance. You don't want what happens on section one to affect your performance on section two. You want to be able to move on. And so thinking about those things and preparing for them in advance during all of your dry runs is incredibly important. So I recommend in general, always before this change, after this change, same deal. You want to take at least 10 full-length timed exams before test day. And as we said, what full-length means differs from before this change to after this change. Before this change, three-section exams. After this change, four-section practice tests. And so setting up a ritual for yourself before starting the exam, all of the practice exams should be the same ritual you do on test day itself. So test day is just another dry run, or it feels that way. But for the actual LSAT administration, since you're going to have two sections back-to-back, short break, probably 10 minutes, two more sections back-to-back, do all your practice tests that exact same way. And as I said before, rotate the ordering of the sections, rotate where you place that experimental section as well, so that whatever happens on test day, you've already done it before. You know, it's funny. I always say to my students when they, um, my one else, that they didn't take the LSAT wasn't the first when they took the official LSAT it wasn't the first time they took a practice test and the same should be true for when you're in law school you should do practice law school exams so oh yeah just- one other thing you said was really important was regarding the scholarships i want to okay. emphasize that as well because you're absolutely right a few more points can make a massive difference and you said $5000 i see results even bigger than that there are people who can get a full semester of law school paid for, they can get a full ride entirely depending on where their LSAT score stacks up against a given law school's medians. And so this exam is the biggest factor in admissions. There are other things worth focusing on as well, like GPA, letters of rec, personal statements and such. But LSAT is typically the biggest factor and retaking it if necessary can be the easiest money you'll ever make. Well, that's interesting. That's a good point. But how many times should a student take the LSAT? I heard that sometimes it's too many times. It's a good question. I mean, a lot depends on the details. So I would say on average, I mean, there's, there are retake limits three times in one testing cycle, which runs from June to May of the following year, five times in five years, seven times for life. And so I, I certainly would hope that people don't have to take it seven times on, or hit that limit. Most people don't, but most people do also retake in my experience. And it's totally fine. I th- I'd say two or three times, even four could be okay. Depends on the timing as well. Though. You don't want to take four exams on back-to-back administrations. You want to show law schools that you're properly considering whether you do a retake and that you study uh, uh, enough in between. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I guess that, that's a really good point too. What else do you think students need to know? I mean, I, I want to point students to your podcast, your YouTube station, um, LSAT Unplugged, because you have a ton of information there. And that's a great place for students to go just to kind of learn the mechanics and see questions and see how to reason through them. But what else do you think? um, We're here now. I've got you. (laughs) What else do you think students should know? We've talked a lot about the changes here, but I don't want anyone to overly stress about it. Like I said, the LSAT has always had an experimental until very recently due to COVID. So generations of students before you did it with that extra section and you're still having a shorter exam than they are. So relatively, you've got it better overall. I would also say that this, this is not a content change. It's just a test day change in terms of number of sections, number of problems you're completing. And so all the previous prep that you've done up to this point will still serve you. And logic games, logical reasoning, reading comp, that content 
getting that accuracy down first before worrying about the, the timing or the pacing or the test day endurance itself is incredibly important. So first things first, just take one logic game, one logical reasoning question, start digging into it a little bit, start with something easier and build your way up. Don't discourage yourself by taking tons of practice tests and not seeing results. That's what I did at first. I had to change my approach and get the accuracy down first. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. And, and, and that brings me to the next question, which is, I, we've talked about this before, but I think it's important to talk about again. How do students assess whether they should cancel their score? Good question. Yeah, a lot of people consider canceling. A lot of people walk out of test day not feeling great about it. So a certain level of uneasiness is actually totally... Because law schools don't average multiple scores and only take the highest... I never really see a reason to cancel, honestly. I feel like cancellations are almost a relic from back when the American Bar Association would take the average of multiple LSAT scores, which then went to the US news rankings. And so everybody cares about that. But since they changed the policy, I mean, having a a low score on record might not look great or feel great to you, but I also wouldn't want you to risk canceling a score that could be fantastic. There are people who consider canceling scores and find out later it was in the 170s. So don't necessarily trust your feelings right after finishing the test. You've, you have up to six days after the exam to cancel. So there's no benefit to canceling immediately. Take some time, sleep on it, think it over, decide if you really want to do it, if you really need to do it and talk with other people as well. And I would lean away from canceling unless you know for a fact that it went disastrously, but in most cases it didn't. That's great advice. And the other thing to think about, that's great advice, actually. But the other thing to think about is I have found, and you can and talk to this, that the test, the test, um, the practice tests are quite often harder than the actual real test. And so some students may say, I'm not ready. And I, they, they defer it when in fact, they probably have are ready because they've taken these practice tests. Well, the practice tests are actually, uh, assuming we're talking about the official LSAT practice tests, those are those were previously administered. Okay. I mean, so I they're going to corrected. <laughs> no, I just wanted to be clear about that. I mean, yeah. they have the they have four sections in Law Hub, for example, because the exam used to be four scored sections, and on test day you're only doing three. To some extent, it's maybe a little bit harder if you look at it from that perspective. But if you're using real official LSAT materials, the content is identical to the sort you'll see on test day. So same difficulty level, same question types. The exam has evolved over time. And so some things from the first 10, 20 exams might look a little bit weird relative to now. So maybe those could seem harder in certain ways. I think LSAC has gotten better and more refined at writing questions over time. But to your point, I wouldn't want students to focus too much on any one practice test result. So if you have a bad day, if you're you're too tired when you take it, if something happened in your personal life and you just forged ahead anyway, then your practice test results may not reflect your true potential. And so you might be ready, even if one test doesn't go well. So I would say, take the average of the most recent five practice tests you've done in a relatively short period, and that will be the best indication of where you stand. Terrific. Anything else you think students should know as we uh, close this out? I think we've pretty much covered it, Leslie, but it was great connecting with you. I definitely encourage folks to reach out to me through the Elsa Unplugged YouTube channel, podcast, Facebook group, Instagram, I've also got a free easy LSAT cheat sheet to get you started at bit.ly slash LSAT cheat sheet. That's great. And we will post all this information on our liner notes so you can get that there too. Steve, it's great to talk to you as always. I am always amazed at 
just how much thought you've given to the LSAT and how personalized you've made studying for this. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure as always. You too. So there you have it. My discussion with Steve Schwartz, whose mission is to see every student, every applicant of law school do that much better on the LSAT. He has LSAT Unplugged podcasts, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check them all out. And you can also check out his LSAT blog free stuff. All of these sites are available on our liner notes, and I encourage you to check them out and hope you do well on your LSAT. Good luck as you begin your journey into law school and have a good day. 